everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU timeline in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. Well, James, speaking of the end of something, we have Hmm. a scene today that starts. Oh, love it. And then, technically, the scene does kind of end here, but the thing is, the moment doesn't end. Sure. This is a very clunky way of explaining to you that what you are going to hear today is the start of a five-part miniseries mm-hmm. called Rescuing the Howling Commandos. Welcome to Rescuing the Howling Commandos, part one, airdrop. Contacts only. Um so how was that, James? Was that perfect? Okay. Was that okay? Perfect. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'd also like to n- make a note at the top of the order here that there is a topic in this episode. Yeah. That I feel like you're going to want to hear more about. But it turns out that instead of putting it in this episode, we made some bonus content that you can find on the Patreon, which we will talk about again at the end of the episode. Uh, but we recorded that bonus content last year, almost exactly on, a year ago. Uh, I have June twenty eighth as when I wrote yeah, my notes. <laughs> is, that's pretty impressive, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like it was almost exactly a year ago at this point. Uh, and today is, of course, by the way, March fifteenth. Nope, May. not March. Sorry, May fifteenth. Although for James, it is now officially May sixteenth. It's just another Saturday. Colin. Oh yeah, that's so true. True words never been spoken. Am I right, Joey Cape? Um. Anyway, <laughs> listen, folks. We are, of course, in Captain America: The First Avenger, and this first scene of five takes place at fifty-five minutes and forty-six seconds, and it ends at fifty-seven uh, and eighteen seconds. A night sky and a stark plane flies in. Peggy informs Rogers of the Hydra base layout. Stark says, we should be able to drop you right on the doorstep. Rogers tells him to just get him as close as he can. He then tells Peggy that they'll be in a lot of trouble when they land. She reminds him that he will as well. He responds, where I'm going, if anyone yells at me, I can just shoot him. They will undoubtedly shoot back. He then taps his stage prop shield and says... Let's hope it's good for something. Stark interrupts because he has to be the center of attention and says, Agent Carter, if we're not in too much of a hurry, I thought we could stop off in Lucerne for a late night fun do. He smirks a bit, having done his damage. Peggy looks annoyed. Rogers is unsure of what to do or say, and she picks up on this and moves on. Stark is the best civilian pilot I've ever seen, and she goes on to mention why they need him and that they're lucky to have him. Although it's clearly not ideal to us, the viewers. To Rogers, it goes way over his head. So he awkwardly asks, so are you two, do you fondue? Hey, great innuendo, Rogers. And she hates this. So she moves on by giving him his transponder for pickup. He asks if it works, which is great. (laughs) I like that. Like they hand him a device and he goes, does it work? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Stark gives him a uh, a snarky response, and immediately all hell breaks loose in the skies. Right. Rogers gets up to jump, and she yells at him to get back here so that they can take him all the way in. But Rogers doesn't want his crush to die, so he's just going to humbly go jump now so that they can get the— uh, Sorry, so that uh, this is what I wrote in my notes. So that they can GTFO. 
Uh-huh. It's clear that they both care about each other, Get but the they won't do on. Exactly. Oh, James, that's really good. <laughs> wow, that's so good. Okay. Uh, but it's clear that they care about each other, but they won't tell each other, which is so high school. And I think it's very yeah. cute. Uh, he tells her to turn around the minute he's clear. She says, You can't give me orders. And he says, The hell I can't. I'm a captain. And he lowers lowers his goggles and gives his first confident smile to Peggy in his life. And like that, he pops right out the window. Mm. She's worried and waits to see his chute open, which I'd like to point out. He opens way too quickly, but I understand that visually we need to see him open it. So that is the thing. And then Stark GTFOs. Yeah. Okay. So. The moment that you've all been waiting for, what topic are we talking about on Patreon? That is, of course, fondue. You can find the fondue discussion on the Patreon bonus feed. I can also tell you actually exactly what day we recorded that bonus content because like your notes were from, I think, a day or two before. I think, yeah, June 28th. I don't think I changed them. I think, Um, yeah. But we stop memos. Um, But we recorded it on. June 30th. Yep. 2021. It is uh well, it might get edited down just a little bit, but as of right now, because I, I guarantee you there's a minute of me being like, all right, let me make sure this is set up. Okay, great. And then how do you want to start it kind of thing? But as it stands, and then I think the waitress came back. That is also true. <laughs> there's uh 25 minutes of audio. So we'll see how many minutes that ends up being. Um yeah. but 25 minutes of James and I talking fondue. And James, you mentioned that the waitress comes back because James, where do we record this bonus content? We recorded it at the melting pot. Of course we did because we had to go to Lucerne for a late night fondue. Uh-huh. Okay. Absolutely. And by Lucerne, I do mean Virginia, Northern Virginia. Sure. Uh- <laughs> Lucerne is in France. Yes. Yeah. And also Wisconsin. Is there a Lucerne in Wisconsin? I thought, I think there's a Lucerne cheese that I don't think comes from France, but I think, Comes from Wisconsin. You think that they Let's were just like, my... that place is oh, fancy. Switzerland is where Lucerne is. Oh, okay. Oh, I guess that makes sense because they would be closer to that border. Yeah. Let me see if there's a Lucerne, Wisconsin. Just real quick. Mm-hmm. Just... There's a Lake Lucerne in Wisconsin. So. Lucerne in the sky with fondue. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it was it was an okay work. It wasn't sure. my, my best, but, um, you know, it did make... Uh, John and uh, and Paul go, should we just go down to SNL? Anyway, that's a callback. Um, and hopefully you've heard that episode. Otherwise, you're like, what in the world does that mean? Uh, but James, this is uh, there is one more interesting band, thing right? of note here, which is that this is a mission that is essentially illegal. Uh, right. But also, I mean, it's a war. So you know, everyone's doing war crimes. Why can't they? I like this because, again, I added the, the, the phrase contacts only to our little part one, which you've named airdrop, uh, because, you know, the way the airdrop works is that you can share with either no one, with everyone, or contacts only. And it was very clear that in order to keep themselves out of trouble, they needed a pilot, so they went with contacts only. Uh-huh. And the only contact that they had that could do this for them is Stark. She mentions he's the best civilian pilot that she's ever seen. Yada, 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 right? All that other stuff. Uh, but while this isn't a sanctioned mission. And I just really want to say really quickly that flying a non-sanctioned mission in a private plane over a war zone is certainly far from a war crime. 
No, that's true. I well, okay. I just meant that like they like everyone in that war commits a war crime. It's a but, it's a crime during a war, but it's certainly not a war. Crime. No, no, I don't think what Stark does was a war crime. Okay, yes, for sure, sure, sure. I think probably yeah. what the two of them are doing is probably considered a war crime. What flirting? Oh well, maybe mm-hmm. that's a crime of passion. War um, of love. Oh, uh, love is a battlefield, and she in this one, to howl his commando. What? Whoa! I feel like that actually cannot be. I don't know if that one can. Can that air? Can we? <laughs> okay, so let's get into this one. So the here's the thing, though. Maybe it's not a war crime, but it's definitely like what they're doing is. Uh, illegal crime, for sure. It's illegal, like for the U.S. Army here, right? Like, right. like they will be court-martialed situation, right? Right. They're going to get pulled in front of a committee of some sort, uh, and he's going to go, "You're no longer a captain," you know. And he's like, "I was never one. I was just a private." <laughs> uh, so anyway, the the thing though is that I I got to thinking, and Peggy uh, says, "And what a private." <laughs> okay, uh, and the <laughs> situation here though is that. How legal or illegal, like on a scale of like one to 10, essentially. Okay. How legal is this? Mm. Now, I guarantee you that Howard Stark never uh, participated in what I'm about to talk to you about. Okay. However, there was a reason that this could have potentially have worked to some extent. Okay. Because starting in the 1930s, there was a program called the Civilian Pilot Training Program, CPTB. Uh, it began in 1938 in oh, sorry in the 19 in the early 1930s it began in Europe uh, and in the United States the similar program uh, began in 1938 it was started by President Franklin D Roosevelt so there you go again. there's another reference to him in this show um, and the plan was to train 20,000 civilian pilots a year because this would create a pool of potential military pilots that he believed the country would need very soon. Uh, In 1939, the Army had a total of 4,502 pilots, including 2,007 active duty officers, 2,187 reserve officers, and 308 National Guard officers. Uh, The number of Army-trained pilots grew rapidly each year as war seemed more likely from 982 in 1939 to 8,000 in 1940 to more than 27,000 in 1941. That is a Mm. lot of pilots. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this sort of thing, like the list goes on and on about the different things that they did. They did a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, tactics to get people to kind of come in and do these things, uh, including things like they were operating out of colleges and essentially paying for courses, things like that. Um, but this, what is kind of cool about this, right? The, the, one of the benefits of this program is that the CPTP gave African-Americans and women, unprecedented opportunities in aviation because they just, they straight up needed pilots. So it started to become a thing of like, they had to leave their prejudice at the door because like, they were like, we can't turn away someone who is capable of flying. Um, Real quick. We'll see in a 1955 episode, uh, May and uh, uh, I think May and Yo-Yo talk about, uh, women pilots in the war. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So maybe we can uh, hearken back to this. I'll, I'll, I'll actually take a note. Cool. Perfect. Uh, this was uh, a big moment. It was pioneering black flyers campaigned uh, hard for public awareness of their abilities and their efforts paid off with an anti-discrimination role within the CPTP, 
which is a landmark in racial equality for uh, for black folks in aviation. Although train sorry, although training remained uh, mostly segregated, uh, instruction for black students began at six different schools: uh, West Virginia State College, Howard University in Washington D.C., Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, Hampton Institute in Virginia. Delaware State College uh, and North Carolina Agriculture and Technological College. Uh, the program would soon expand to be several more schools, uh, but the best known was Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, where the first black USAAF combat pilots were trained. Uh, the CBTP graduated around 2,000 black pilots overall. Uh, so that is a, a pretty cool thing to, to see kind of come out of these moments. The one kind of downturn in this though is that four women's colleges initially participated and women were enrolled at other schools at a ratio of one woman for every 10 men uh but mm. when war preparation de- uh, needed demand that all graduates enlist women were automatically excluded because they were not allowed to fly in the military at that time uh so it's very fascinating to look at where they're like we're going to train you because we need pilots and then they were immediately like actually just kidding, because our other rules also say that you can't. So right. they were like, why train us then? But they were like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, our prejudice doesn't always make sense, right? right. Yeah. There's a, I'm so sorry. There's also a, a thing in Captain Marvel where they talk about how they weren't allowed to fly combat missions. So that's why they, they worked on that top secret mission for the, for a Marvel or whatever. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's, Basically, all it is uh, during wartime demands, though, I will say one other fascinating fact about this is that CBTP's name changed to the War Training Service, WTS. Uh, and from 1942 until the program ended in the summer of 1944, so right around the time of the ending of this movie, um, trainees still attended college courses and took private flight training. But they also signed agreements to enter military service after graduation. Um, so kind of like, you know in exchange for their draft, they also got to learn. Uh, So, you know, not a bad, you know, a handoff per se, Uh, but CBTP slash WTS and its graduates significantly, significantly contributed to the strength in numbers that American air power needed to help defeat the Axis powers. Um, So that's just kind of, I think, a very cool uh, situation. And uh, the women uh, pilots, by the way, were called WASPs, Women Air Mm -hmm. Force Service Pilots, uh, yep. And they uh, basically broke the ground for today's female USAF pilots. I think that the hold on one second. Uh, okay, so yeah, then then the Wax were the Women Army Corps. I thought they were the Women Air Corps, mm-hmm. but the the Wax, as they appear in the Cheap Trick song uh, "Surrender," um, mm-hmm. is uh, is the same sort of deal, but it's for the Army. So you can cut that if you want. But uh, no, it's fine. Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, yeah. "Surrender" is a good song. So I should want to mention it. Absolutely. But, uh, I mean, you know, that's basically all the information that we kind of have at this point or that we need to necessarily have for this moment. Because, again, Howard Stark definitely wasn't necessarily enrolling in this. But it is a matter of, to some extent, like like a civilian pilot could have done some sort of mission. And, you know, had he actually been a part of this, perhaps when he landed – he might not have necessarily gotten in trouble because he's like, listen, I just, you know, a captain and a, a captain and a, uh, she was, wait, what was her ranking technically? I think just agent. I don't think she had a. I guess. Yeah. But I feel like if you're in a 
agency that is a part of the wharf. Surely you have a well, maybe not. It's Either way, doctor. an agent, uh, agent Carter though, like an agent and a captain walk up to you and they say, "Hey, we've got a mission. Get you know, get in the plane." He's probably fine. He's like, "Oh, I take orders from you." So yeah. Uh, yeah. So he probably, and also he's a rich white man. Of course, he's not going to get in trouble, right? Right. So uh, it is going to be left to the lab experiment and the woman um, to exactly. get in trouble. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, that is the likelihood of who who would get in trouble the most, uh, and then also <laughs> how likely would the situation be? Exactly. Exactly. Um, also, the transponder is also kind of like one of the earliest versions of like almost like a GPS tracker, which is yeah, pretty cool for sure. Absolutely. It's uh, I, I do like um, that they bring in like Howard's pride in his invent. Like, yeah, it works. Just mm-hmm. it, it has more field experience than you or whatever. Yeah. Says. Oh, yeah. He said that is a pretty good line. The way he <laughs> says that he's like, it's, it's been tested more than you have. Pal. Yeah, exactly. I also like how you can tell. I love that they can characterize that uh, Howard is a troll mm-hmm. and also a little bit of a heart of gold too. Like he's yes. doing this amazingly brave thing. He's also trolling Steve's jealousy slash envy. It's like as hard as he the can. The other thing is like, you know, he hasn't settled down yet. So he's has, he still kind of has that like wild side. Yeah. And like the fun thing here is that I know that when he says that line to uh Carter, yeah. he knows that he's not getting anywhere with her. Right. He knows she, yeah. that she's not going to say yes. Right. But also at the same time, I think it is very clear to him that the two of them like each other and won't say anything. So he yeah. is like, hey, you know what would be fun if I just really <laughs> stirred the pot um, huh? and made it so that, like, it didn't happen, right? I, yeah. Like, I, I like to think I that like they that actually go bit. for fondue. Like, they, I think, that's you actually know what's a funny? Thing. I think you said that in the thing. But, like, yeah. I liked, I'd like to think that she's like, take us back. And he's like, not until we get the fondue. So he is there having a blast, and she is like, I am so mad that I'm here. She's like, we need to get back before they realize that we're gone. He's like, but fondue, look at the cheese, <laughs> Agent Carter. He's like so pumped. And then also yeah. she's like, all right, I guess I'll go ahead and just pay the thing because you're going to start. And then he, she, she turns around. She probably has to track him down. He's in someone's like, you know, like making out with someone in a back room. Or oh, hey, <clears throat> uh, yeah, yeah exactly. I just wanted to see what kind of cheese this is so I can buy some for my for my own mansion. She's like, Stark, your pants are completely off. He's like, <clears throat> right, sorry. Anyway, let's go get the plane. <laughs> my bad, can, Carter. Can I read a, can I have a surprise in, installment <gasps> of a, what a novelization idea? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, the, the way the novelization paints this uh, uh, Stark, Steve, Peggy thing is kind of interesting to me. Turning around in his seat, Stark smiled his charming smile. Unlike Steve and Peggy, he didn't seem bothered by the late-night stealth mission. In fact, he looked more confident and charming than usual. Well, let's hope this is good for something, Agent Carter, he said, focusing his handsome grin on Peggy. If you're not in too much of a hurry, I thought we could stop off in Lucerne for late-night fondue. Heat rushed to Peggy's cheeks as Steve raised an eyebrow. She grinned at the obvious jealousy on his face. Stark's the best civilian pilot I've ever seen, she said in response to Steve's reaction, and mad enough to brave this airspace. We're lucky to have him. So you two, Steve hesitated, causing Peggy to grin even more. Do you fondue? (laughs) So I love that Peggy's like, she she knows exactly what is going on. (laughs) Right. Well, it's interesting, though, because like in in the book version, she's like grinning. But in this one, she's like grimacing. Right. Because yeah, exactly. she's like, this is the like, because she does actually want to impress him and she wants to be with him. She, she's like, I cannot believe you're making this harder for me 
this this sucks. Like she yeah. obviously wouldn't say that stuff out loud, but like the fact that you can tell she's like, I'm I'm in hell. This sucks yeah. so much. Would um, love if uh she like you could see like a uh, like her like shoot daggers at Howard Stark. Like oh, uh, just oh, a really sure. quick like shot of her being like and him being like nah. You don't like yeah for sure. Like I, it's I would love to see it like from flag of literature like from the front or like rather front facing camera because yeah. when he does say that you do see her kind of side eye him but like you're <laughs> looking at her face but her head is turned so you yeah. don't fully see the face but the, yeah. the thing is like that's why i said it's like not obvious to him uh to yeah. rogers because she looks at him uh, at, at stark rather but he yeah. also looks to stark because he's so surprised so he misses her reaction yeah so when he <laughs> looks back she is now embarrassed and he's like oh my god they fondue Right. Yeah. And so like, yeah, so he's missed the crucial moment. Uh, and then again, also like he's trying to be confident now around her and it's also just right. not working until yeah. he leaves. Cause he's like, Hey, if Stark can do it, I can do it too. And he exactly. does do a good job with it in the, in the end. Exactly. Um, I, I, I think actually this scene gets, uh, worse if i imagine that howard stark ever actually seriously hit on peggy but i actually like to think that he never he like like they, he always sort of joked about it i think in agent carter it's sort they, of like they, yeah in agent carter they really they really lean into it i i actually kind of imagine but, that perhaps once or twice he did and i think that once he realized that he was not her type yeah i think he quickly essentially backed off or only yeah. ever did it to be like this is funny we can joke about it because like yeah. I we both know that it's an absolute no, you know. Yeah, and um, like there's like a brother, like oh a, god, a mischievous older yes. brother sort of deal when, going on, which is fun. Again, we'll get to it in Agent Carter, but there is a full on scene about that where he is essentially almost purposefully trying to make her life harder by yeah. doing this, like around her, and she's like, <laughs> I literally can't stand you, and he's like, mm, You love me, you know, like, yeah. but not like in the sense of like how she loves, you know, uh, no, Rogers. Yeah, it's yeah. like. I'm a little stinker and you think yeah. that I'm the best. Like you exactly. think that I'm a good friend. You're like, you've saved my life so many times. And if you yeah. didn't actually care, you wouldn't have done that. And she's like, don't remind me. <laughs> and he's just like, dee, 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 dee. I can get away with anything. You know? Yeah. Uh, you've seen, you've seen uh, screenshots of, of various uh, interactions such as uh, me and Aaron, Colin and Morgan, Colin <laughs> and me and Tracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Absolutely. Like, I said the thing, what you going to do? <laughs> It is. I've told this story before when Tracy was on the show. Yeah. But the interaction that I can think of the most in my life that fits them to a T is Stark being me, right? Saying, I've missed you, right? Like after being so excited to finally be in the same room as, you know, his friend. And then Tracy slash, you know, Peggy Carter going, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, he's so excited. And she's like, I, I, I tolerate you, but also yeah. does actually like him. But it's like, sure. I'm not going to show that. Exactly. Um, yeah, it, it's great. They they do have a great relationship, but it is also so funny how their little trio doesn't get it. And yeah. I also ha- saying this now makes me realize that it is very much Han Solo, Luke Skywalker and Leia. But yeah, the, everyone thinks the other one, every pair thinks the other one is the incompetent like idiot Mm -hmm. where, but also like in in this one instance though, uh, Luke and Leia are not related and they do end up together. Uh, this is like the, the what if in a way. Right. Right. 
Uh, but it is absolutely right. like Han Solo is out there being the pilot, and he's like, I'm confident in my flir- flirtation. Yeah. And she's like, this is embarrassing. And he's like, oh, my gosh. I've always been on a sand farm. Like, I mean, yeah. sorry, the farm like, is not. Want to see sand, pictures but... of things I shot? <laughs> Do you want to see the womp rat that I shot from the my hand speeder? It's it's still in my pocket. Uh, Luke I got Skywalker two as Dwight Schrute is hilarious to me. And then <laughs> like... Obi Wan's like, "Stop it! You have you have the force to focus on." He's like, "Don't tell me what to do, Ben." Dude, my my guy, please put the womp rat away. <laughs> Ben butt out and he's like, I am telling you, women are not impressed by this. <laughs> well, sure they are. She always shows a picture of Star Wars Tinder with him holding the womp. I was I was just about to say that instead of holding a fish, because there's like the only water that you get there is from the moisture farm that he grew up right. on. Instead, he just held, holds the womp rat up as if it's like his little fish. And she's like, Oh God, Tatooine is the Wisconsin of of uh of of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Rats right, baby. <laughs> oh, boy. Lord. Hey, shall I talk about a recommendation from the Scavengers Network so we can get out of here? Uh, actually, we should probably oh, do Patreon. We should do Patreon. We should yeah. do Patreon. Yeah. All right. So, hey. Yes. We ha- we've had we've, we've, we've had a lot of laughs. Cut this, but we've dipped our bread into a lot of cheese in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a lot of laughs and we've had some uh, some snacks. Yeah, exactly. Laughs and snacks, the Colin and James story. Um, So we, this has been fun. And I I really, really, I love one that we went and got fondue as a bonus episode Mm -hmm. for this scene. Two, I love that we did it a a year year ago. Yeah. Like we did it too early, even 1931 not being a thing. Right. (laughs) Like 100%. um, But uh, yeah. If you want to listen to that episode, as well as other episodes uh, from me or Colin or me and Colin or anyone else on the Scavengers Network, you can go to patreon.com slash the Scavengers Network. And for two dollars or more a month, you can get access to all sorts of bonus content, video content, podcast content, written content, um, just all sorts. I did a like a, 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 a live blog of the movie Big, I think, one time for some reason. Hmm, um, maybe. And uh, I have uh, some stuff on there, like uh, outtakes from other ep- from other podcasts that I've done. Uh, Colin has a one on one actual play podcast with uh, with Jordan Reed from Spooky Spouses, where uh, it's it's Colin's character Terry versus a meatball monster, uh, meatball sub monster. Um, it's excellent. There's just so much stuff to dig through there. Um, so please come join the Patreon, patreon.com slash the scavengers network. And when you when you sign up, there's a little checklist uh, for what shows you listen to and check all the ones you listen to. But make sure you check the timeline scavengers, which mm-hmm. is where you heard this ad um, for it. But that's going to do it for this installment of rescuing the Howling Commandos. We'll be back uh, next time with part two. Um, and we'll have guests. Uh, the rest of the uh, the rest of this uh, miniseries has guests, which is very very exciting. Um, but that's gonna be me. I am James Anderson, and I'm Colin Parker. There's really nothing else to do but to you know jump on out of the plane. Excelsior! Oh, he did not take a shoot. <laughs> oh my shoot! <laughs> I'm going to stop too.
The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.